Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA President Dr Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. The 27th of May to the 3rd of June is National Reconciliation Week, an important time not just for Indigenous Australians, but indeed all Australians. Many of you will know that in 2019, the ACA developed our first Reconciliation Action Plan, thanks to a lot of hard work by ACA staff and many volunteers. But what's the purpose of having a reconciliation plan, or RAP as it's called? Short of acknowledgement for country that now happens at the start of each ACA board and committee meetings, how do we embody the RAP and bring it to life? Well, I've got just the right person to answer these questions with me today. Dr. Joan Van Rottenham has started her working life in chiropractic in 1986, after completing an undergraduate degree in science and subsequent graduate diploma in chiropractic. After some time, she commenced a postgraduate diploma in epidemiology that later translated to a master's in medical science, which was completed in 2003. Between 2002 and 2003, Joan undertook a part-time position with the Newcastle Institute of Public Health as manager of a research project entitled An Evaluation of the Hunter Chronic Disease Rehabilitation Program. Then in 2006, she commenced her PhD candidature, which was completed in April 2019. During this time, Joan has collaborated with other research projects within a multidisciplinary setting, particularly with the not-for-profit organisation Hands-On Health Australia, to which she is currently the chair. Her passions of musculoskeletal medicine and Indigenous health have resulted in Joan's appointment as chair of the ACA Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Rural and Remote Practitioner Network, or ARPAN for short, thank goodness for acronyms. Uh, Joan is also the ACA representative on the National Rural Health Alliance. Hi, Joan, and welcome to the ACA podcast. Hi, Anthony. It's so great to have you here, and I must admit I was really um, uh, excited and chuffed uh, when you sent through your bio. When I request this of most people we interview, so I've got some background information uh, for the introduction. I love that yours came with a photo, and it wasn't the, the you know the professional studio shot with a perfect uh, makeup or hair. It was you in your Akubra, uh, obviously somewhere out in the uh, in the outback, uh, attending to people in need. And I just thought that that really reflected the the, the genuine person that you are. No, I I thought that uh, photo was a bit more appropriate. That's um, one of me at the Koori knockout. That hat goes with me everywhere. <laughs> Fan absolutely fantastic. So maybe just as a starters um, for our ACA audience, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and in particular how you became uh, interested in the care for uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Happy to. So um, I was born in uh, South Africa, but, but when um, I was quite young, my parents uh, moved up to a uh, country town by the name of Armadale, which a lot of people are aware of um, because of the university, etc. Armadale is um, uh, in Anawan country, 
which is the uh, language group, the Aboriginal language group for that area. Um, and uh, like a lot of country towns, um, we had uh, a fairly large Aboriginal population. Um, and then in my early working life, I uh, was asked by a friend of mine who was a GP at Merriweather here in Newcastle to uh, do some work with um, the Awabakal uh, people in, uh, in town, which I, I did for a couple of years and made some really nice friends. Uh, then I had, I, I now also have a personal experience with um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in that I have two young nieces who are Aboriginal uh, and they're, they're from the Bungtalung uh, group. Then um, I did some work with uh, Dr. Dean Vindigny and Hands on Health and um, that was in Kempsey and we did a research project entitled Bringing Chiropractic to Durry. And through um, uh, that group in Kempsey, um, I, uh, I, I became involved with the Koori knockout in 2011 and took a group of uh, chiropractic, final year chiropractic students to um, the knockout in Raymond Terrace. I've been doing that now for nine years, which is wow. something I really love. And through that, we were invited um, by the Redfern community to attend um, NAIDOC week in Redfern. And we've done that for about four years now with um, students going there. So um, after that, I... Um, became a member of what was the Rural Indigenous Health Group um, and then became the chair of that group and a member of the National Rural Health Alliance. And uh, then we had a bit of a break for about 10 months and um, we started the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Rural and Remote Practitioners Network. That is a mouthful. It is. Oh. <laughs> And it's, I must say, it's been a very successful group. Yes. Going back to what you said before, that the Koori knockout, is that a football uh, challenge of some sort, is it? So the Koori knockout is, um, it's a, a big uh, football knockout for Aboriginal people in New South Wales. It's, um, it attracts about 10,000 people each year it's probably one of the largest indigenous gatherings in the world um, and uh, at times depending on where the knockout is held um, we can have up to over a hundred teams attending and they are amazing footballers as a long time uh, Essendon supporter um, I've got a very much a soft spot for uh, our indigenous uh, players from Michael Long and going forward so uh, yeah that's a great way I think uh, to connect um, you know, what wide Australians to uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that's for sure. Yeah, yes. The students love going and, and uh, working there because we also, we don't just work on the footballers, we also um, work with a lot of the people from the community who often don't, um, particularly some of the more remote communities like Bawarana and places like that, they often um, 
in, in their um, medical centres don't um, have any physical therapist. So um, they love it that we're there. So I mentioned earlier that this, uh, we're coming up to Reconciliation Week. Uh, why is this important and, and what's the theme for this year? So the theme for this year is In This Together. Now, um, it's interesting that um, they chose this theme and it's often, um, it's a choice they make a lot of, you know, way before um, we get to um, Reconciliation Week. And it's really resounded, I think, um, for everyone at the moment with um, the whole um, problem with COVID-19, even with the bushfires and everything. And it, it's sort of um, Reconciliation Week and um, what that's about is not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, it's us as a nation. And um, yeah, I, th I think it's been, it's been a really good um, theme this year. So we have our own reconciliation action plan, by we I mean the ACA. Can you explain um, how the RAP came about and what it is we're, we're trying to achieve with this document? Well, um, one of the people on the ARPAN committee is Bill Hayward. And um, Bill is um, uh, an Aboriginal man from uh, Western Australia. And he's uh, been a very important part of our committee. He invited his brother Ken to have a talk to us because um, uh, I'd, I'd heard about these reconciliation action plans um, with the National Rural Health Alliance. They'd done their own and they were really uh, invested in all the, the groups that belonged to them doing a rap for themselves. But I wasn't really, mm, what was this about? So um, Bill got Ken to come and have a talk to us and it absolutely changed our entire outlook. And um, it made us realise that the Reconciliation Action Plan can't, can't be just something that's a token uh, written document, but has to really come from the heart. So, um, the wrap we put together as a committee is what's called a ref reflect wrap. And it, it's really important that because it's aligned with the ACA's commitment to um, productive relationships and, um, and the ACA's values um, of cultural acceptance and understanding. And as we attempt to close the gap, um, the health gap, between Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people and the rest of Australia and, and deal with the inequity and inequality between these two groups. Our RAP um, is a commitment to try and to help bridge that gap. And um, I, I believe that the ACA RAP can help to develop respectful re relationships with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And I guess this is the real challenge you mentioned about the um, closing the gap there. Unfortunately, in Australia, it still is, you know, it's a chasm. It's not just a gap between um, Indigenous health and, and, you know, white Australian sort of health. And I'm not sure if I'm using the correct terminology there by saying white Australians, maybe you could well, correct me if, you, if I need to be corrected there. Yes, the rest of Australia. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Um, but, but, but I guess that's, you know, that's certainly f- a fundamental thing in terms of, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a wonderful read, I think. And, and for those members who haven't already um, had a chance to look over it, the artwork for, for one thing is phenomenally good. Um, but just the, the, uh, the information in there and the sentiment behind it is really important. So I would uh, encourage people, if you haven't already had a close look at it, to go onto the ACA website and read the wrap. But in terms of bringing it to life and, and some simple action steps that come out of it, rather than just it being a... Um, you know, a, a piece that's uh, that, that's out there for people to to see, but nothing really comes of it. How do we really embody the sentiment behind it and take that forward? Well, um, I, I think the most important thing, um, uh, and what I what we learnt as a committee, um, and I, I I think this really came through for all of us, was respect. Respect mm. for um, uh, the fact Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture is so completely different to ours. Yes. And uh, rather than uh, expecting and treating people to be um, white, white people with a dark covering, mm. um, they, they're not. They are, they, their beliefs um their the way they see things and particularly the way they see health is very very different to ours and um you know i i think getting a little bit of information simple things to do uh uh if you're in practice and you uh you have uh an aboriginal community that you deal with uh, a respectful thing is to go and uh, introduce yourself to the elders. Mm. That's always that's something um, I learnt with the um, with the Kempsey project that we did. That's a very important thing for Aboriginal people. Yes, it is, isn't it? I mean, that that respect for for, for elders is something that is very much embedded in the Aboriginal. Uh, you know, society and culture. What are, what are some of the other cultural sensitivities that um, a chiropractor should be thinking about if they're caring for someone who identifies uh, as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander? Well, um, in particular, one of the things I've found through the Koori knockout is in particular um, with elderly women, they much prefer another woman to treat them. Uh, if... Uh, if they come to you as a male uh, chiropractor, then you must be respectful of um, of their age, and um, uh, and that you are treating a woman, and um, be careful about covering, etc., and um, and and speaking in a respectful manner. I think that's always a very uh, important thing, and um, the other way, I uh, there's not as as much of a delineation between male chiro- uh, male um, Aboriginal uh, Aboriginal men aren't as worried, but uh, and more accepting of women chiropractors, but they still prefer to be treated by a man if that's a possibility. I think we've come a long way as a society as far as uh, acknowledging, recognizing, and appreciating uh, our indigenous heritage. But if we look across uh, the ditch to New Zealand, I think um, they're probably a good example of a country that has gone a lot way further than uh, than Australia has with um, embracing the Maori culture 
into society. And most um, white New Zealanders would be able to at least say a few Maori phrases. Um, I, I wouldn't think that there would be many um, white Australians that could, uh, could quote anything from the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander language. No. I mean, um, the whole concept of cultural safety originated from uh, New Zealand, from the work of Irapati Ramsden, who was a Maori nurse. And uh, she was work working um, as a midwife. And um, the cultural difference um, for uh, Maori people in that birthing situation was very different than uh, for European people. And um, so she had uh, a big fight to bring, bring in respectful, uh, um, respectful working relationships uh, for Maori women. And um, that's extended to uh, Canada. And so it's been taken up um, in a number of areas. Yes. I'm not sure if you know the answer to this question, but um, obviously in Australia, there are many Aboriginal languages that are consistent with the uh, Aboriginal nation that they're, they're, they're representing. In New Zealand, is the Maori language something that's consistent across New Zealand or are they a bit like um, the Aboriginals in, in Australia? I'm really, I can't answer that really. Um... As far as I know, I think it's fairly consistent across um, New Zealand, whereas in Australia, um, when you're looking at um, the length of time that Aboriginal people have been here, I mean, yes. we're looking at 40,000 years yes. of, um, of history, of, um, of oral history here, and um, I think the that there's possibly there were about 450 to 500 different language groups throughout Australia. Wow. Yes. That's a long continuous culture, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. If we talk about where, so reconciliation week, um, there's also NAIDOC week coming up in July. What, what's the difference between reconciliation week and NAIDOC week? So reconciliation week, Reconciliation Week starts, uh, uh, it, it actually is um, preceded by, uh, on the 26th of May, National Sorry Day. And that's the day that Kevin Rudd said sorry to the Aboriginal people for, for the stolen generations. And uh, that was reflected in the, the big walks across the Harbour Bridge and everything. And it was an acceptance of the wrongs that led, that has led to greater inequality and inequity for the uh, Aboriginal people. Um, so, um, NAIDOC, sorry, Re Reconciliation Week goes from May the 27th, which is, um, uh, now I've got it, um, and then to the 3rd of June. So May the 27th was uh, the date of the referendum, the 67 referendum. Right. Where um, Aboriginal people got the right to vote. Yes. Very significant change. And then it ends on the 3rd of June, which is the date that the Mabo um, uh, court uh, uh, thing was, was brought in. Yes. So Reconciliation Week is... a. Um, 
it's looking at um, trying to form respectful relationships to try to um, make uh, the rest of Australia understand what Aboriginal people have have been through. Yes. Nadoc Week, on the other hand, Nadoc Week is a celebration of Aboriginal culture, right? And Aboriginal and and um, and country. So um, it's. Its origins are, are back in the. Um, uh, they used to have um, a day of mourning from about the 1940s to the 55. To 55, they had a day of mourning, and it was more or less a protest of Australia Day. And then they moved that time to the first Sunday in July, which became Aborigines Day. And then in 72, the the with the um, Department of Aboriginal Affairs, they formed NADOC, which was N-A-D-O-C, which changed to NADOC to incorporate Torres Strait Islander people. And right. um, it was governed by ATSIG for a long time, which was disbanded in 2004. But NADOC week very much comes from Aboriginal people and is a real celebration of um, all the different cultures and, uh, the different, and, and different country. The last NADOC week um, I went to in Redfern, they had people from the Torres Straits um, uh, dancing and uh, doing some of their um, yeah, traditional dances and stuff. It was very interesting. Fantastic. So for chiropractors out there who are interested in getting involved uh, and in particular providing care to um, uh, Aboriginal communities, you mentioned about the, the importance of... Um, you know, presenting yourself to the uh, to the elders of those communities. But what other sort of advice would you have uh, for people who are interested in, in in helping these sorts of communities? Um, there are a couple of uh, groups um, that work very closely in this area. Um, Hands on Health Australia um, works closely with the Fitzroy Stars community, the Aboriginal community in Fitzroy. Um, there's, uh, uh, the Murdoch University works, uh, closely with the Kimberley community. Bill Haywood does a lot of work there. Um, and, uh, we've just managed to, um, get a young fellow, um, from New South Wales, Troy Walker, who works with, um, one of the Aboriginal, um, medical centres to come on board with the ACA and we're hoping he'll join our group. Um, so uh, it, it's a matter of, of being open. I think, I think the most important thing is to be open and willing to, yeah. to listen and accept Aboriginal people and, um, and be respect, respectful yes. of, of their culture. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's really important. The ACA also um, have a scholarship program to, to assist yeah. with uh, people from uh, um, Indigenous backgrounds to, to become chiropractors, which I think is important. So it, not just to acknowledge them from a, a patient perspective, but encouraging um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, Islanders to be chiropractors or become chiropractors. I think at its heart, the philosophy of chiropractic um, sits very well with um, you know, traditional Aboriginal beliefs. Yes, absolutely. I find that um, particularly when I go to the Koori Knockout and um, 
that some of the older um, some of the elders tell me often that um, it, it, it resonates really very much with them. They can remember their um, grandparents and their parents warming their hands in the fire and putting their hands on on, on their body um, when they had had sore muscles and things. Yes. Um, they they like the communication from uh, chiropractors. They, um, they find they're um, much more able to understand them. Um, and I've, I've found that the students really, and uh, um, they they really enjoy the time we have at the knockout. We get paid in hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Well, hopefully the next uh, gathering is post COVID so that those hugs uh, can, uh, can continue. Uh, October. October. Yes. Yeah, and October. anybody who wants to help us with um, supervising or just come and, and give us a hand, just contact Hands on Health. We're always happy to have people help. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we uh, include with this podcast the um, uh, contact details for Hands on Health and anyone who's interested can certainly uh, follow that up. Uh, Joan, thank you so much for your time, for all the work you do uh, on ARPEN. We know it's a very... Um, it's a very active and an engaged committee. We're doing lots of great work. And um, I think it's really important, uh, not only for the um, our Indigenous populations, but really, like you said, of, of the coming together. And can you just tell me again that the theme for uh, reconciliation work, what was it? We're all in it together, was it? In this together. In yes. this together. In this together. And uh, well, what a great sentiment for uh, this time in our history. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Thank you, Joan. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, that's My it. Any time. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful and look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast. <laughs>